pair of hikers from Rhode Island have been rescued after getting stuck in treacherous terrain on Mount Washington. At least one hiker expressed they were feeling symptoms of hypothermia. Officials tell us the hikers were brought to safety around 10 p.m. And thankfully, there were no injuries. This was no drill, but a real-life emergency deep in the White Mountains. Broadcasting from the Woodpecker Studio in the great state of New Hampshire, welcome to the Sounds Like a Search and Rescue podcast, where we discuss all things related to hiking and search and rescue in the White Mountains of New Hampshire. Here are your hosts, Mike and Stump. Um, all right, Stomp, so it's 2022. Welcome back. Mm. Back from break. We are back from break. Current situation is it's insanely cold right now. Yeah, unbelievable. Like dangerously cold. What are they talking? Minus 40 wind chill? That, that was what I saw on my uh, my little FEMA app. I'm like, damn. Yeah. Yeah. I remember we went out on that hike on Osseo. We did the, the Flume and Liberty, and it was like that crazy day. I think it's going to be that snap of weather. Yeah, These, yeah. like... These bursts of weather with this cold conditions, usually it's like two and a half, three days of just insane, you know, wind chill and stuff. Yeah, and then it just eases out a bit, but I think we're in it. Um, yeah, damn. So my wife's freaking out, and we'll talk about some of her strategies to keep warm in this, but uh, yeah, I'm a little nervous for her. She's like, do we have to deliver the mail? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, the mail's got to be delivered. Yeah, it so. sure does, or the Amazon packages anyway. Like, oh my God. Yes. <laughs> well, before we get into that, um, what? So it's the new year. What did you learn in 2021? And you have any goals or resolutions for 2022? What did I learn in 2021? I learned how to start a solo business, and it's scary as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a work in progress. And that's sort of my resolution, I guess, is to really get that thing rolling. It's been a very complicated time for physical therapists at the moment because of restrictions and uh this and that so it's been a weird year but yeah that's one of my resolutions how about you um i have just like minor things like i i obviously want to be more engaged with the family so yeah try to make sure that we do as much as we can and it's like i'm doing it more in spurts now because now that i have one in college so she's not around as much so when she comes home like i want to try to be as conscious as i can to do some sort of family togetherness stuff because we're getting to that point where you know they're all going to be old and not want to hang out with us i mean they're already there basically (laughs) it happens fast we have them captive yeah um but then just little stuff. I want to get more and more away from social media because it's toxic. And yeah, hell yeah. I want to make sure that I'm away from that. And then I am just doing a couple of resolutions. I have, um, I'm going to continue my streak to try to make sure that I put all of my clothes not inside out in the hamper for my wife because she does the laundry. <laughs> and then I'm going to get one of those smokers. Yeah. So that you can like smoke, smoke meat and meat. stuff. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I'm going to try to do that in the spring. So wow. That's about it. A real it. survivalist. Didn't learn much in 2021. <laughs> You're getting into the survivalist mode. I am. I, am, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the hell's going on. I got to go to BJ's and get like pasta or something like that. The world's going to hell. Have you noticed any uh, supply chain issues there? I'm starting to notice it up here. I don't do grocery shopping. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Honestly, I haven't noticed anything. Yeah. I've noticed it in the produce in particular, uh, regionally. So, I don't know. Just trying to get a, a feel of what's happening out there. Interesting. 
I did go to Publix in Florida, so I was down in Florida, and I seemed like the the shelves were pretty well stocked. So I don't know. That's that's about the last thing that I've last time I've been to a grocery store. Mm. Cool. Yeah, <laughs> my wife and I've been mm. grocery shopping, like trying to do it every Sunday so that we're set for the week. And it's it's so romantic going grocery shopping on a Sunday, like the last thing you want to do. But yes, yeah. yeah. But hey, twenty twenty two is here. Let's make the best of it, huh? Exactly. So we we had a little break. Um, any any updates? You do anything fun? I know we're going to talk about two hikes that we did around and on the break. So anything outside of those two hikes that you want to you want to share with the audience? Oh, and are we on the hike section already? Not yet. Oh. No. <laughs> yeah, I did a couple hikes. I've been out, but I guess that could be another resolution is just to get out a little more often. I'm still sort of in couch mode, waiting for the rescue calls to come in, which is fine um but yeah it's been really just quiet just sort of hanging around low-key i'm pretty boring as you can tell yeah yeah i can tell i can (laughs) tell well i spent some time in florida i was a flatlander a flatlander huh oh god yeah i was in florida we did some kayaking we did a little bit of beach time we did some uh school visits and that was about oh, college? it. And we just drove home. Yeah, yeah. We had to check out one more school my daughter wanted to look at. So Okay. Well, that's great. Did she like it? Yeah, yeah. University of Central Florida. Okay. So it's like out near Orlando. So it's the uh, biggest, biggest school in the country, apparently. I didn't know that, but it's, huh. yeah, she wants to go down south. So we'll see what happens. Interesting. Well, that's cool. She'll be uh, near family, too. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So anyway, but the um, next up here is sponsor talk and coffee stuff. Yeah. What do you got? Well, man, we got a bunch. So they just kept on rolling in over the break here. So we have uh, five donations from Max George M. Jay Frooks, Jennifer, I believe, donated three. Megan donated five. And um, she had a question about our pronunciation of Willie. Is it Willie or Wiley? I'm pretty convinced it's Willie. Well, I think it's Willie too. I'm going to go with Willie. Yeah, I think I even gave it the um, the translate test, and it came out Willie. So we're going to stick with Willie for that one. Yeah, because if it's a Wiley, then that whole story about how like the origin of giving me the Willies doesn't make any sense. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you don't get the Wileys; you get the Willies. Yeah. Now, Chris donated five, and he asks, is it Friday yet? And I bummed him out by telling him that we were going on break. Um, Wendy A. donated two. Rick R. donated five, and he requested that we send warmest wishes for Jennifer R.'s birthday. So, Jennifer, happy birthday from uh, me and Mike. Happy birthday, Jennifer. Yeah, thanks for listening. And then Jackie and Bruce donated five, and uh, we're going to talk about them a little bit later. I had a run-in with these two fanatical oh, fans. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> oh, boy. And uh, let's see. For our uh, sponsor, that's Reckless Brewing, where you'll enjoy the best food, craft beer, and fun just 15 minutes from Franconia Notch, many 4,000 footers, and less than 10 minutes from the Five Corners. You know, Mike, I was going to give you a heart attack tonight and surprise you with uh, a live in-person appearance by Steve, but he, he had to cancel because apparently uh, he had some, something else going on. So, so your heart attack was avoided. <laughs> no, you can do that anytime. Anytime. So I'd love to get Steve in or anybody else. Well, you know, Reckless has a ton of new stuff coming. 
so I just wanted to get them in, and we'll get them in soon. Awesome. Um, all right. So then, are we ready to do the the show summary here? Or you got anything else before I get into it? I think we're good. Yeah, we are good to go. All right, audience. Welcome back to the Slasher Podcast. If you're new, welcome. And if you're old, welcome back. Sorry about the break, but we need a little bit of time to decompress. And uh, we so we took the end of the year to do it. So tonight we are easing our way back into the new year with a uh, highlight discussion on some recent hikes that we have done over the past few weeks. Stomp and I will break down a day hike on the Squam Range. Uh, we'll cover, and then we'll also cover some details on a winter hike up Musalaki, where uh, we were able to put some group winter hike dynamics to the test. So, in addition to the hiking discussion, we have some listener topics that came up, and then um, Stomp also had his cover blown in the Crawford Notch parking lot. So, <laughs> we've also got some new winter hiking clothes that we're going to talk about, and we will go over recent search and rescue news. So, I'm Mike. And I'm Stomp. Let's get started. All right. So, what are you drinking, Stomp? Well, I uh, tapped into my my wife's stash from all these gifts, like a her uh her male uh patrons were giving her tons of gifts and stuff like that so somebody gave her this little teeny wait a minute wait a minute what? why does she have male patrons well why is that the what, wrong what word is mrs stomp up to <laughs> i don't know <laughs> it sounds wrong <laughs> but somebody gave her a bottle it's a uh it's a little teeny black canister of vodka and it's i guess it's called neft n-e-f-t it's pretty interesting looking. So here it is, Neft. So I'm having that with a little iced tea mixed in. Hold on. Can you hold that bottle up for a second? Oh, yeah, sure. So that looks like a little like, it looks like a, um, one of those 50-gallon drums that they put like oil or something. Oh, in. really? Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. It was a, a chore to open it. So you have this little pull top, pull thing on the t- top here, this tab, oh, and you yeah. pull it up and it reveals the little screw to open it <laughs> does it does it go back in yeah yeah it looks pretty handy for like uh a summit little brew i guess oh i see so it's black bar- so neft black barrel vodka yeah so yeah well yeah 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 now that i see it it is a barrel it's but a tiny tiny little barrel interesting what you got rolling all right well i am drinking i got an ipa with a very like 70s Kind of, um, I guess this is hops on the bottle. So it's it's from Definitive Brewing Company, and it's called Elsewhere IPA. It's pretty good. Nice, nice. Sounds good. Back to the old IPA. Back to the old IPAs. I, I went to the the beer store and, and got like three different four packs. So, but I've never heard of Definitive Brewing Company. I don't know where they're where they're out of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but it's good. All right, so I'll put links in the the show notes for both for your your black barrel vodka and then also my my beer. So um, recent hike stomp. So we're going to cover me and you did a hike on the Squam Range, and then I did a hike with my daughter on Musalaki. So we're going to cover those in separate segments. But is there anything else that you've done as far as hiking that you want to talk about now? Yeah, I, I've done a bunch of stuff um, before this like uh, this onslaught of heavy ice everywhere i did uh welch dicky it was fun just getting up the welch side was fine but getting over to the dicky side it was just glare ice everywhere because of the melt so that was pretty interesting beautiful day otherwise any slipping or were you okay with your micro spikes i you know i i did not wear spikes once so what i did was i just sort of walked the uh the 
perimeter, uh, the boundaries, and made it through okay, which is fine. I was comfortable with that. I don't know if people know this, but before the large cliffs on Dickey, there's those huge, huge areas of ledge. Um, mm-hmm. That was the hardest part. That was pretty tricky. I did, I did do one little butt slide to get over a little section. <laughs> um, yeah, I did uh, a bushwhack. Fletcher North was cool. That's like one of my favorite places around here. It's got the windmills up top. And um, I like it because it took me so long to figure out how to get up there to begin with. After three or four attempts, I finally found this like this one little entry that's pretty bizarre. It's got this old burnt out RV and this couch that's sitting there. And I, it looks abandoned, I would assume. Um, so this is not a, this is no trails. This is one of your crazy bushwhacks that you do. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a crazy bushwhack, but it sort of interlaces snowmobile trails and uh, private land, and you know you have to skirt around the land, and then there's also private roads that go up to uh, maintain those windmills. And it's a weird peak because they saved the peak. It's like this you know hundred yard diameter, fifty foot tall mound of rock that they just left there but they like they carved roads all around it and the summit Hmm. cairn is still there it's like right adjacent to uh one or two of those massive windmills so it's a very odd uh summit but it's cool and there's how high up are the rvs or the the wreckage that you found oh the rv wreckage is actually at the start so you have to take hodge pond road or no halls pond road excuse me and that's off of Route 25, and you come up maybe two, 2.1 miles or so, and you'll see that RV on the left. And then there's like um, another road directly past it called Victoria Mountain Way, which is a private road. And right at that road, that's where you turn around and park on the, uh, the shoulder and just, you know, snowshoe in. I, I use snowshoes for that one. It was like six to eight inches of crusty, wet snow. Yeah, it's always so funny being out in the woods and you'll see these like RVs or trailers. Like, yeah. So there was a trailer on Musalaki, like on Glencliff, like on the way up, but it was you know pretty far in. Uh-huh. You know, it must have been some work to get it in there. But I remember when we, we hiked um, Mount Martha, there is a, there's a, an old camper at the very end of that hike, at the as you descend Mount Martha, uh-huh. it's probably about like a quarter mile in. So just people people work hard to get those things in there. Oh, they just yeah. abandon them, and then they get they get basically devoured by the by the forest. Yeah, no question. This thing was totally dilapidated, but it's it's your cue to stop and go right there. Um, and finally, yeah. yesterday I just did. Um, I went up to Jennings. I mean, you you did your um, Mount Musalak the day before, and I was sort of tied up. But yesterday. I went up to Jennings and it was freezing rain the whole time and I just wanted to get out and really challenge myself and uh, challenge my gear and see how it did. It was awesome. I think it's important to do that every now and then just so you know what you can handle and know what your gear can Mm -hmm. accomplish. So that was fun. I'm actually sort of tired from it. (laughs) It's not not fun being in weather like that. Yeah, it's not easy getting out there in in this time of the year either. It's a, a hike, right? Literally. Oh yeah, yeah. This was Drake's Brook, which is. I mean, it's not not the hardest trail. It's it's relatively gradual, uh, but the weather just you know was a challenge. So, uh, good learning experience. So you've been out hiking. I got to catch up. It's been. I, I did get out. Thing when I got back from Florida, I was like, I got to get out. So I got out, and we'll talk about that later in the show. But I got to I got to catch up to you. You're you're like three hikes ahead of me this <laughs> year. It's not fair. <laughs> 
So, Stomp, you had shared with me that you bought Mrs. Stomp some new gear. So, can you talk a little bit about what you got her? Yeah, this is really neat. Um, I was doing some searching for some interesting things to get her and uh, talked to several people at work over in North Haverhill, hunters, outdoorsmen, talked to uh, you know, fishing game, and everybody suggested these heated vests, which are becoming pretty popular. So I picked her up a Mibabo. It's M I B A B O vest, and this thing's pretty epic. It's a basic vest with um, eight-hour battery life to heat yourself uh, in cold weather. It's powered by a uh, lithium battery. At the highest mode, it lasts for safe four hours i believe and then at the lower modes it it ramps up to eight hours so it's pretty neat she's raved about it you know talking to jim Nealand and stuff he's he's also saying it's fantastic and a lot of his hunter buddies uh use them so check them out highly recommended interesting yeah and it comes with its own battery pack <clears throat> it's a rechargeable it's like those um cell phone battery packs that you buy that you plug into your usb to charge overnight it's about the mm-hmm. size of a cell phone itself so the batteries yeah, i'm looking at it right yeah now. the battery's pretty hefty and you you just plug it in and stick it in one of the side pockets on the vest um it's very cool interesting yeah i'm actually pitching it to the uh, search and rescue groups because you know there we have several strategies we use to warm people up and one of them is this um older uh norwegian heater which actually uses charcoal briquettes that you you light on fire you stick it in this this tin canister and it pumps warm air through these uh tubes and you just drape the tubes over a hiker or a victim and um that's hypothermic so you know the thing's heavy that's the other thing about this this vest and the battery itself ounces super super light interesting yeah i'm checking this out right now i mean it's not like is it does she like it like is it fashionable she loves it i don't really have any oh she loves it it's totally fashionable Absolutely, it's it. You know, the the female version is cut um, to the waist a bit, and uh, there's a, a version for men as well uh, that's a little broader. Uh, but yeah, she absolutely loves it. So me, Bobo. So I've seen some other advertisements for it, and it is the, like this one looks like it comes with its own battery. But I've seen others where you can just plug in like an anchor battery that a lot of people use, um, and it'll run run the heat too. So that's interesting. Huh. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. It's absolutely the coolest thing. Very impressed. I definitely will. Yeah. Well, I, I, I didn't get anything as cool as you, but I just want to like, sort of give the audience a heads up. So I got, my wife got me, um, I have a ton of like darn tough socks and I've got some smart wool, wool brand socks, but she got me Bomba socks. Have you heard of those? I have not. No. Yeah. Bomba. I think it's, uh, so B-O-M-B-A-S, so bomb-ass, Bomba. Okay. Um, they're like wool socks, so they're they're pretty good. They I would say, as far as stiffness goes, the the darn tough. I feel like the thread count is a lot tighter, and, and they're probably a little bit more firm. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Bombas are like they don't feel like the thread counts as tight. They're much more sort of comfy, I guess I would say, but not as firm. Yeah. Uh, but I've been wearing them, and I like them. And I took them on a hike the other day, and they they kept my feet pretty warm in a cold condition. So I guess it's just another brand that I wasn't aware of. But she she said that she heard a lot about them, and I did a little bit of research. And she was like, "What do you want? You want you know you want some for Christmas?" So I said, "Yeah, I'll, I'll get some." So yeah. if you're looking for a new pair of socks, you want to try them out, and you you're bored with your darn tufts, check out Bombas socks. <laughs> darn tufts. <laughs> darn tufts. So. Oh man. 
All right, so listener topics here. Stop. I had that that headlamp thing that you wanted to cover. I've got that down here, and then I want to talk about just a summary of Ty's um, book raffle. So yeah. you want to you want to talk about the headlamp? Thing? Yeah, I'll just read it quick. This is this comes in from uh, Doctor G St. John. He's a listener. Um, you'll see him up on our Instagram page, and I'll, I'll just get into it. Proof today of Mike's mantra of one headlamp is no headlamp. Please make a slasher tee with that on it. I was doing the tripyramids yesterday with a buddy as I'm finishing up my winter 48. We are both very experienced, having hiked in the whites for decades. We've both done the 48, 67s, and 100 highest. Temps were in the single digits all day. Wind chill, negative teens. We were heading out down Sabaday Falls and had to bust out our headlamps around 4.30. I have a black diamond storm. My buddy had a Petzl attic and Zipka as a backup. We both had extra batteries. Within minutes, my black diamond crapped out and would run on nothing but the lowest LED setting. Swapping batteries made no difference, and we were still four-plus miles out with multiple wide water crossings ahead of us. I tried using my buddy's backup Zipka, but that was also totally dead in the cold. Luckily, his rechargeable Petzl held strong, and my black diamond had just enough to get us out. I've subsequently heard from a friend who had the same thing happen with his storm, a couple days ago on a sunrise hike in in single-digit temps. So, out of three headlamps and plenty of backup batteries, we had one and a quarter, which were functional and fewer, and we would have ended up on Slasher's shame list. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, now I've been looking into this. uh, From the Petzl website, Rechargeable batteries, specifically lithium-ion, are better at holding their charge in cold weather. Headlamps with rechargeable batteries can give you better performance in the cold. Sort of interesting. So thanks uh, for sending that in. Yeah, I know um, Jeff Rogers, um, he had given me that tip years ago to use the lithium batteries for your... Uh, your headlamps yeah. are lighter anyway and a little bit more resilient in the cold weather. But I didn't uh, – He that whole like one head uh, one headlamp is no headlamp, I, I definitely didn't make that up. Like somebody – I had heard that from somebody else or I'd read it online. So that's that's been a mantra for a long time. And, you know, I usually – what do you do? Do you carry two headlamps, Stomp, or do you, you just keep one and hope for the best? I carry three. I carry three in a four by four plastic bin in my pack with about 20 different batteries. So I'm ready to go. (laughs) Yeah. I don't play around. It's just, yeah, they're all lithium too. Yeah. I learned that lesson as well. Yeah. Yeah. I have, yeah, I have the black diamond with the, um, it's like four batteries. It's like a battery pack. Yeah. That just, it's heavy. It's probably more heavy than I need, but it, you know, it just gives me peace of mind. So I'll always test it before I leave and then I got extra batteries. And then I have a, it's pretty, it's like a cheap um, Walmart headlamp that I use as a backup. And a matter of fact, I use that Walmart headlamp like almost every morning of my runs because it's a lot lighter and just easier. So I I keep two. And uh, the other thing too is like I almost never, start a hike um especially in the winter if i'm on trail at nine o'clock like that's really late for me like i, I would be on trail typically at like seven or eight o'clock in the morning so gotcha. I, I don't sweat it too much but then again you never know so bring two headlamps yeah absolutely this this little submission by him made me start to think of keeping my batteries in the house though because i typically just leave my box of batteries in the truck so i'm wondering if over time they're draining out I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. 
I don't know. And I don't know anything about those um, rechargeable headlamps. I was looking at one. I was going to buy one. As a matter of fact, I think when I bought the Black Diamond, I thought I was buying a rechargeable one, but I didn't. It wasn't a rechargeable one. It's got the battery pack, and it's like a lot heavier than I wanted. Yeah. And I... Um, you know, I was thinking about sending it back, but I don't really know much about the rechargeable ones, but it sounds like this this one bailed them out. So mm -hmm. could have been a long night for those dudes. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, cold and four miles out. Holy moly. Exactly, exactly. Huh. Um, so you want to give an update on t the Thai uh, Gagne raffle that we did? Oh, yeah. I totally forgot about that. Thanks for reminding me. We actually had um, several donations and... I just deleted it. <laughs> oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> Here it is. See, see, I'm OCD about my uh, my phone content. Let's see. <laughs> okay, so we have three winners: um, Amy Babawi, I believe that's how you would pronounce that. I hope Nick Sidla and Ian Kenny. They all donated to the New Hampshire Outdoor Council, and uh, they all received their packages uh, last week. So thank you all. For for donating and um it's awesome to support that outfit they take care of all the gear needs and um you know grant money to any team that needs assistance with purchasing things great great yeah and they get out there a lot i know i was looking at some pictures from nick today it looks like he was out on the the prezies this weekend so they they all three of them get out there and get it done which is great all right, um, so you want to transition into segment one here? We're going to talk about our hike on the Squam Range? Yeah, and this comes right after our tie discussion, so we had all that fresh in mind. This is fun. We um, I've done the Squam Traverse before in parts, bits and pieces, and um, I convinced Mike into joining me uh, on a, a day that was predicting to have six inches of snow coming in the early afternoon. So the Squam Traverse, uh, for listeners, is... Where would it be? I mean, it's it's just south of the Sandwich Range. Essentially, it's you could call it part of that. I'm not essentially sure if it is or not. Um, but from where I am in Thornton, you can take the Sandwich Notch Road over to the Squam Range, and it just it's a beautiful range. Nothing crazy. I mean, these these are all about two thousand footers. Um, this traverse covers what thirteen miles, if I remember correctly, and it covers seven or eight peaks all within the 2200 foot range but it's a it's a ridge walk it's a beautiful ridge walk with expansive views of the lakes region and actually north towards franconia ridge so the plan was to tackle this from the northern end which is basically bear camp uh river trail which you find at the mead uh conservation center and um just head over to the southern end which is cotton mountain and um mike and i met up at the cotton mountain um, trailhead which was a sheet of ice do you remember that holy moly i i it was unbelievable it was just pure ice yeah, yeah it was, and um, uh it was getting cold you made a good call i did yeah i was like doing the math and so this was on when did we go so this was before christmas so december 18th and it was like six or seven inches of snow coming in so we had to do a car spot and i think driving up i was kind of like yeah i don't know about 13 miles it's gonna be a little long but i think we ended up doing about matter of fact i have it right here so we did seven and a half miles instead so i was like let's just cut it short at mount morgan and then that'll be good enough we'll start from crawford or sandwich notch 
road and then do the the really cool section of it not to say like i have no, never done past mount morgan and i think that like some of those other peaks are pretty cool oh, yeah. but we just we thought this would be enough so yeah. i kind of wimped out but i think we, it ended up being a good plan because we got home early and we also missed the storm mm-hmm. yeah it's neat so we decided to just go leave your car at the morgan lot and we dumped my truck actually the road was open sandwich notch road was open from this end so we went up to the actual trailhead and bypass the Bear Camp River Trail, which apparently passes BB Falls and Cow, I think it's called Cow Rock, which has a funny story behind it. Apparently, a cow hid under this rock or boulder from a storm. So it's just sort of funny. Um, yeah, that the Mead Base Camp. So I've been there a bunch of times, but every time I've ever gone there, I've hiked up Mount Israel, which is the you know, the Ossipee Range. Um, so basically, the Squam Range is, is um, oh no, is, is Israel, Israel's Sandwich Range, and then the the Ossipee Range is south, and then Israel is like part of the Sandwich Range, I guess. Yeah, so I, would, I, I just would never so. had realized, like, when you go up to Mead Base Camp, um, there's like a left-hand fork in the road which is sandwich notch road i never knew that before so i learned something new stomp but the whole time we were driving up there i was like we're gonna like get stuck we're gonna get stuck and your car is gonna be there through the winter because <laughs> that was the last time i think any cars made it up there because that storm came yeah in. but there was nothing on the road i mean i was i was pretty certain i remember i even told you like oh yeah hell yeah i'm just gonna drive out of here and go back to thornton over at sandwich notch which yeah thank god i didn't because the other side actually is blocked by a gigantic pile of snow really? <laughs> yeah so i would have been effed yeah yeah so funny but anyway yeah good calls all around with the uh the snow coming so um we skipped the the, the first part of the trail and the crawford ridge pole trail is so great 13 miles of just awesomeness but the first section i think sort of surprised you huh mike i was pissed <laughs> I was like, we're doing this. We're doing the Squam Range. Like it's going to be nice and easy. Like I've done Morgan and Percival before. I was like, this will be a. Easy, it was like easy. we had to like climb. It was like steep. It's like yeah, it's like a fifty degree ascent for what at yeah. least half a mile, maybe quarter mile, and then yeah. you get to this like, big this is cliff face. <laughs> this giant cliff face, and you have to do this scramble which is basically your footing is on uh, these old wooden uh, logs that are pounded in, and then there's this scramble that scares the hell out of me. Mike just blasted through it. And once you pass that, then it sort of levels off for the, the remainder of the trip. With I call them puds. Do you remember that term, purposeless ups and downs? Like, yeah, yeah, that's a good description. It is. It's like a half a mile of like you get up to Mount Doublehead, which is so you start at Crawford Notch Road. Yeah. Do that ascent up to Mount Doublehead, and then from there it is. It's just sort of just meandering, easy up and downs on um, on this ridge line for what? It's got to be five miles out to Mount Morgan, right? So we go through absolutely the Mount Squam, and then we hit Percival and Morgan. But before you even get to Percival and Morgan, there's like what? How many views? Probably like three or four. Right? Oh, absolutely, just beautiful. Then we bushwhacked over to that other one that was mint. Uh, that looks south yep. towards the lakes, um, Interval Pond and Squam Lake. I mean, the, the one bummer about getting out a little early was that we missed the the view from Webster 
and um, Webster looks down upon rattlesnakes, so we'll have to go back and bang this thing out and finish it, finish her off. Um, so yeah, after that first ascent, man, it's brutal. Then it just it levels off and meanders along. You pass Doublehead Mountain. You hit the high point of the Squam Range, which is I think it's only like two to ten feet higher than Mount Morgan. And then um, you know there are multiple Plan Bs for escape routes, which is another cool thing about this traverse. And we had considered that. You know, it's like you have this storm coming. What if one of us ends up hurting ourselves? Um, You know, you have obviously the Mount Percival Trail, but you also pass Doublehead Trail. All these trails bail out back to 113. So, you know, Mike and I had considered that, and we were trying to be smart about it. And how heavy was your pack? Not too bad. I had, um, I brought the Hyperlite, so I carried a little bit more than i needed but i don't know i have no idea i didn't weigh it but it probably yeah you know 30 ish maybe i don't know maybe like no not even close probably like mine was pretty heavy 12 or 13 pounds yeah you pack is huge dude i was like looking at your pack it's crazy (laughs) i was trying to actually get a workout out of it too i I overpacked and i was trying to get a little little challenge out of it um but yeah that that, that's a 115 115 liter (laughs) <laughs> the stomps pack is ridiculous. I have a, I don't know what the hyperlight. It's like a fifty liter pack, and I can fit everything in there for overnight. And I do go pretty light, I think. Yeah. Um, although I carried extra water because I just didn't bring a filter or anything. I just figured it might be too cold, and I didn't even know what the water situation was. There's really not a lot of water, um, as far as I can remember seeing when we were out there. But, mm-hmm. um. Yeah, I mean, you don't. You could easily just do a day pack and it'd be no no problem. But, yeah, um, it's it's a great hike. And the thing that I loved about it the most was that it was like there was some viewpoints, but then there was like these sections where you could see like, okay, there's a view, but you had to do a little bit of a bushwhack, and you would find these little herd paths that people had used before. Um, and then you could get out and you would, it would alternate between you would get views of the Squam range and then you would go off the backside and you'd be looking out into the sandwich range. And then you got like, there was one section where we had that amazing view, like right out to Welch, Welch Dick. Right. That's, you could just see it. Like you could almost touch it. That's in between Doublehead and Mount Squam High Point, And it just opens up huge, just, just all rock. And there's this beautiful pond, this little mini pond. Just gorgeous, man. It's awesome. I don't think too many people venture out beyond Morgan Percival. I think Morgan Percival get, gets the limelight. Um, but the rest of the Crawford Ridge Pole Trail is fantastic. Yeah, yeah. And it would be a cool, like, I, I think for a winter hike, if you wanted to do something, uh, especially if you had, like, a weekend like this where it's going to be ridiculously cold, like, I think going on a hike like this where you're very well sheltered and you know it's if you want to get some adventures going like this would be a great hike Mm -hmm. uh the only issue with this hike is that although this may change after me and you and our big balls but uh, you you don't see anybody there's no i mean only people only go to morgan and percival all the other sections of this i don't think anybody really travels on except people that are kind of in the know right so i would highly recommend it it's a great area yeah no doubt about it and you know we we did end up going down uh, Mount Morgan, um, which is was Mike's idea, and I still hate you for it. That's scared the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, Stomp. So for the audience, so Stomp, like probably <sighs> like four or five years. How long has it been since you did that lol shoot? Uh, it at least I've been up here what five six years, 
yeah, probably at least four. It was so Stomp went from climbing the Mount Lowell chute with a bicycle helmet to (laughs) needing an emotional support, um, (laughs) you know, person to help him climb down the ladders on Morgan. Exactly. (laughs) I was like, what? What happened, you old man? (laughs) I was a wreck. I, yeah. Oh my God! I didn't trust my shoes. You you go zipping out just above the ladders. There was that open cliff with a thirty foot drop, and you just zipped right down it. I'm like, oh my God! Yeah, I've lost my uh, my sense of adventure for some of this stuff. So whenever you dragged me, I tried to go the other way, and the cliff was even worse. So I was forced into going yeah. into that cave that leads to the ladders, and uh, it only got worse from there. I mean, you zip right down it. And of course, me and my 115 liter pack didn't help. It was overloaded. So I had this massive pack and I'm thinking to myself, do I want to just throw this thing down 30 feet so I don't have to carry it? And, you know, Mike was kind enough to come actually back up and grab my pack. You're a saint. I did. I I thought I was hiking with my kids for a minute. It was ridiculous. So, yeah, that was a that was a shame moment. I might put the uh, shame drop here for that. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's definitely Squam Range. Do this ridge pole trail. Um, I, you know, we did it from what the the east. So from Mead Camp. You know, if you're looking to get out there in the winter, it may be worth exploring. Yeah, it goes um, southwest, roughly. Yep. Yeah, but I think I've been up there in the fall before, and it's 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 an amazing fall hike. But any time of the year, I do think the Squam. I think whatever the association is that manages that area, they do shut that area down in the wet season. So I think in the spring, there's like a period for like a month or so where they they shut hiking down. Hmm. I did not know that, but that's a good idea. Yeah, I don't know what the details, but I've heard that. Yeah. Um, also, I had one awesome dad joke. <laughs> On this yeah. hike that I had to share. With yeah, I was proud of you. I was <laughs> so like, we, damn, that's a good one. It was pretty good. So, uh, although, I don't know, we'll let the audience. So, I had a dad joke. <laughs> so, we were we were racing a storm. So, we cut it short because we were like, there's going to be the storm. I wanted to drive home before it started snowing. So, we took some pictures, and one of the pictures I labeled it, the squam before the storm. <laughs> Get it? Squam before the storm. Oh yeah! Instead of calm. Yeah, my kids were just like, yeah, "It's dad joke." Oh yeah, that was a good one though. You had me in stitches. Yes. Yeah. So, any other thoughts on this before we move on to the next one? No, I think we're good. But um, yeah, I mean, we will come back for that second half. Mount Webster is just something to see. It's beautiful. Mount Livermore, Mount Cotton. I've not been there, but yeah, good stuff. Yeah, yeah, you talk about that Webster a lot. So oh, yeah. Go out there and check it out. Incredible. Yeah. All right. So next one, we're going to highlight Musilaki. So um, I hiked, uh, or is it Musilak? What, what, what's the audience want me to say? Musilak or Musilaki? Uh, we'll, we'll find out, I'm sure, in the comments. All right. <laughs> I'm going to I'm gonna interchange. I'm going to go from one to the Just other. Just call so, it the moose. Um, the moose, yeah, exactly. So I did this. I've been, this is like the fourth time in the last 12 months I've been on um, Musilaki, but I, my daughter is working on her 4,000 footers and she hasn't done any winter hiking. I took her up to Stinson last year and sort of get some experience, but this was her first time winter hiking. And I was like, let's do Musilaki because you haven't done it before. And the Glencliff trail will be a nice, easy ascent for you. And it'll get you some good experience. So I had, I had locked those plans in 
on like Wednesday, Thursday, and I didn't realize. As a matter of fact, I didn't even look at the weather in a lot of detail until you had flagged it to me that like, hey, it's going to be insanely cold. Yeah. And then I started digging into it a little bit more, and we had to adjust our gear. Because uh, all I really looked at is I was like, all right, it's going to be a clear day. That'll be perfect. Mm-hmm. And the wind's not going to be too crazy. Well, that and is the, But I didn't really side. consider the wind chill. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, it ended up being a bit of a challenge for us. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? So how so? Well, I think the hiking was good. So I had to prepare her and kind of go through the gear. And she was good. She knows. I mean, she's done some winter hiking. Um, But first of all, we got there. The parking lot was full when we got there. I was surprised. We got there at 8 o'clock on a Saturday morning, and the parking lot was full. So we were able to park off to the side, but there was already a crowd going. And then, you know, we... We talked about this with Ty around like group dynamics, and we talked a lot about like making sure that everybody in the group is comfortable enough to sort of have their say. But that shit all goes out the window when you're hiking with your own kid. Like, there's no way to change the fact that I'm going to be calling like all the shots when it comes to once we get above tree line and whether to go or not go or all this stuff. Like, it's just completely different scenario when it's your own kid yeah. and they don't have a lot of experience. So right. it was. Basically, all the decisions were going to be on my shoulders, which I hadn't thought about when we were talking about with Ty, but like, there's a lot of people that hike with family members, and it's just automatically going to be default leader dynamic. I'm assuming like with your kids, it's the same thing, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no question. Yeah. But I think that they understand that, you know, I'm the guy that's always out there hiking. I have the experience and this and that, so they default that leadership role to me. But you assume it yourself in that case. Yeah, yeah. And I was like questioning myself and I'll get into it. I'll talk about why in a minute. But so we went up Glencliff Trail. So if you've never gone Glencliff, it's it's actually I would say when people talk about like, oh, I want to do a four thousand footer in the winter, like for me and they never hiked before, I always think about Tecumseh, I think about Mount Pierce, I think about Jackson, I think about uh Wombach, and then I think about Musalaki up Glencliff, or even from um, the Ravine Lodge up uh, the Carriage Road straight up. I, I, you know, those are sort of like the handful of 4,000 footers that I think about where I'm like, okay, those are reasonable, not as difficult hikes for newer, newish winter hikers. So that's why I picked Glencliff because I was like, all right, of the ones that she's done and that she hasn't done, this would be probably the one that's most attainable. She's in pretty good shape. She just doesn't have the experience in like layering and managing heat and all the getting the gear on, getting it off type of scenario. So it was a learning experience for us. And I knew that going into it, what I didn't expect was how significant the wind chill and the cold weather was going to be and how when you have that cold weather, it like limits because she struggled with her gear, it limits the amount of time we had for her to be basically screwing around with her clothes and, and her gear, getting stuff on and off. Yeah. So I didn't, that was sort of the challenge. That route is more exposed, correct? Once you get past the, the spur for South Peak, is it more mostly exposed? It is. So the original plan was we were going to go up Glencliff and then we were going to hit South Peak and then come down and then go to the main peak. So the main from South Peak to the main peak, it's about a mile. Yeah. Um, and then once you, so you, you go up Glencliff, the first like two and a quarter to two and a half miles is very gradual. It's a very easy hike. And then the last half a mile or so, you end up gaining like about a thousand feet hmm. of elevation. Maybe it's a little bit less, but it's steep. Yeah. So you, you have a pretty good ascent up to 
the trail junction where the South Peak Spur goes to the right and then the carriage road to the peak goes to the left. So I was already like, given how cold it was, I had already made the decision. I was like, we're going to skip South Peak and go right to the peak. And then we'll make the call on whether to go to South Peak on the way back. Mm -hmm. Just because I was like, all right, I don't know if she's going to be down for the extra mileage. I didn't want to push her. And she was fine going up. You know, we put our micro spikes on and she had her gear. And I sort of, she sort of realized like, oh yeah, I'm really heating up here and I'm nice and warm and comfortable. Um, But when you get past the the spur and you get on the carriage road, you are more and more exposed. So I yeah. was I basically told her, I was like, look, we're gonna pick a spot where we're gonna gear up and you're gonna have to get, you know, your goggles on, it's gonna get windy and you know, it's gonna take a little bit of time. So that was where we we went down probably another half a mile from the, the trail split and we were maybe like a tenth of a mile from where you were really exposed. Mm-hmm. And that's where we stopped to get her clo- get geared up. And you, you know what that, basically, if you've never done winter hiking, typically what you're doing is generating heat. And you've got like your, your light jacket on and gloves and a hat. And then once you know you're going to go above tree line, it's going to get really cold. That's where you want to fully gear up and be prepared for it. So we stopped. I sort of explained to her ahead of time what to do. The problem was is that she just had a hard time executing. So I sort of was like, let me rush to get all of my clothes on. So I put on my extra jacket. I made sure I had all my gloves. I put on my my um, face mask and extra, extra hat and all this stuff. So it took me, I don't know, maybe three, four minutes. Meanwhile, she's fumbling around with her stuff. She took her gloves off in order to get all of her stuff on and then she got to the point where it took her so long to get her stuff going that her hands got cold and she's like my hands are numb yeah so then i'm like oh shit she didn't have her face mask on she didn't have her gloves ready so then i had to basically take my gloves off and i had to put new hand warmers get those ready and then help her get her face mask on and then help her get a hat on then make sure that she got her jacket on and then I got her goggles ready, but I didn't want to put the goggles on yet because she's fumbling around. I didn't want her breathing on them. So by that time, she's like, my hands are numb. I can't feel them. And I was like, shit. Like, you know, I don't want to, yeah, I don't want to expose her to that. And I'm like shaking the hand warmers to make sure that they get going. Eventually, we got everything going. What I did is instead of messing with yeah, the hand warmers, I took my outdoor research shells and i she had on her gloves and i put the shells on and i said i said caroline these shells will warm your hands up i'll work on getting the hand warmers done but i don't want to expose your hands anymore just because it was like yeah minus zero wind chill and we weren't super exposed but it was just too much for her and she was panicking a little bit so so that's where i was like well she's got the she's got those outdoor research mitts on I know from experience that as long as I'm moving, yeah. like those oh, things sure. have brought my hands back from like the worst pain ever. So I was like, well, we got maybe, yeah, exactly. I'm like, we got maybe four tenths of a mile to go to the peak. And I was like, fuck it, let's go. And, um, oh, sure. You know, I said, how are you feeling? But of course, that's, that's a dumb question for me to ask because she's going to be like, I'll do it because she's going to rely on me and thinking that I want to go to the peak. So the whole time I'm hiking with her and we're heading up and we're above tree line and I'm thinking like, oh, how are her hands? Is she enjoying this or is she just coming along because she wants to come along? She doesn't want to disappoint me. So it's kind of a weird scenario. 
Yeah, it's an odd dynamic. Exactly. But the nice thing is, is we found the, we saw the um, the sign and she asked me, you know, oh, is that the peak? And I said, yeah. And she's like, oh, it's right there. And I was like, how are your hands? And she's like, they're cold. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to take some pictures. So I took some pictures, took some video. And um, I was like, what do you think? And she's like, this is great. We stood up there for like five minutes. And then I was like, let's turn around. How was the wind? It was probably steady, 25, 30 mile an hour wind. Okay. Enough just to that you knew it was there. Okay. Because that's the interesting thing too, that when you're coming back down that trail, you're heading southwest. So you have to consider you're going to be going into the wind if there was a significant wind event or something like that. So that's always something to factor in. Um, Cool, man. And one thing that we do on the, uh, the search and rescue teams is windmills, arm windmills, just stand there and whip those arms in big, large circles until your hands come back. It works like a charm. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you look like a fool, but you just stand there and just whip your arms in large circles as fast as you can until your fingers come back. Interesting. It just sort of forces the blood down into the periphery of uh, your fingers. Yeah, I never thought of that. Um, Yeah, and I I was like, so I'll have to think about that. She was saying that she was moving them inside the mittens. Oh, sure. Where I went with my head is I was like, well, wait a minute. I'm like... I didn't ask her at the time, but I was like, she had her gloves on underneath, and I think she had mittens on. And then I put the big outdoor research, like Gore-Tex shells over those. But then yeah. I was thinking to myself, so I was like, maybe she's got her gloves around too tight and she constricted her, um, um, you know, her circulation in her hands. And regardless, like, that's not going it, to, nothing's going to help her if that's the case. So I asked her a couple of times, like, you have good circulation. And she was like, yeah, I have good circulation. It's just my hands are cold. So it was just like, it was fine. But as we were walking down, you know, there was a couple of gusts where I could see that it was moving her around. But as we were walking down and we got back towards tree line, she was like, oh, yeah, I can definitely, like, feel them warming up now that we're moving and generating some heat. So it was all good. It was just an interesting – I was thinking oh, about yeah. the whole discussion about Ty around, like, the group dynamics and about the fact that, like, you know, I'm dra- – I sort of in some ways is, like, dragging her up to – this mountain and she's her hands are hurting and i was like i don't want to do any more damage so it was it was just stressful but it was fun Mm. oh you know what i i I saw your video on instagram Mm -hmm. another factor would tell me if you agree with this with with hand warmth would be gripping those poles i was about to say damn poles Mm -hmm. you're constricting and gripping you think that might have had some impact I don't know. I never thought about that. That's something we probably talked to Andy about, but I, I never thought yeah. about that. That's a possibility. Yeah. Who knows? But I think that's so for listeners, if you're thinking about it, like you just got to be careful with when you're above tree line, it's really cold. If you're doing winter hiking, like typically what I recommend is like a very thin liner glove and then wool mittens. I, I prefer the kind that have the five fingers and then the mitten sort of can come over or off, but, but loose. And then a third mitten, which is the, I have an outdoor research Gore-Tex shell that's huge that I just slip right over them. And that's like, for me, it's bomb proof. Like I've been on, you know, minus 10 degrees, minus 20 degree weather and my hands are nice and warm. No problem. I just, I gave though, I gave that setup to my daughter and just didn't take the time to really get myself taken care of. But I was, my hands were fine. So, yeah, well, that's good. I'm glad you guys made it off. I mean, it was super cold. I was looking at, uh, from the comfort of my, my sofa, 
I was looking at all the adventures that people went on. I'm like, have have at it. I'm happy yeah, yeah. here. <laughs> so as cold as it was up there, yeah, it was like it, there was a party going on at the Glencliff Junction. Glencliff and Carriage Road. There was like when we came back down, there must have been I would say like ten or twelve people just hanging out there. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah, like some people were coming back down, and because uh, that's where we stopped and we ate, and then some people were heading up, and that was like like I said, there was like ten or twelve people, and then as we were going down Glencliff, we came across like another like probably six or eight groups, and then hmm. when we got back to the parking lot, that's there was a lot cars parked up and down the road, so it was oh packed. man. Yeah. I was going to ask you that because that Glencliff lot is pretty small, isn't it? Oh, yeah. There was like probably like 10 or 12 cars just parked on the road when we got out. Unbelievable. In all that yeah. weather. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. But it's a it's good a hike for that. It's, it was a good day. It was a good choice for that day because it was reasonable. You're only talking about like maybe a quarter of a mile above tree line where you're exposed. And then other than that, it's pretty good. I mean, it's not not a bad place. I'll, what I did notice is that we, when we passed Salt Peak and when we passed the carriage road, when we went up to the peak, nobody had broken out either one of those. So everybody was skipping Salt Peak and going right to the peak. It wasn't until we got back that we had seen a couple people come up the carriage road trail and then a couple of people had headed up to Salt Peak. We skipped Salt Peak because I was I was like, Caroline, how you feeling? And she's like, I'm feeling fine. And I was like, let's just skip it. We'll come back in the summer. You'll get another view. It's you know, It'll be something you'll look forward to again. But you got this done. Let's not push it. And it worked out perfect. And the hike down was awesome. It was like a lot of those small little moments and conversations that I had with my, you know, my daughter. She's in college now. So she's going to be pretty soon like growing up and going away. So I'm re- sort of reflecting on it. And it was nice to have those sort of moments where it's just me and her on the you know, conversations. Right. I mean, a little torture before she disappears. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if This is sort of a nice segue into the search and rescue segment coming up. But if, if listeners remember, last, I believe it was last year, in a cold snap like we're in right now, where that individual went up Glencliff Trail and got hit by a round of squalls that I'm, you know, honestly, I don't know what happened, but he, got, he ended up uh, perishing up there in this type of weather so it's no joke absolutely no joke yeah i mean and it's just like i think about that too whenever i'm up there i've been up there a lot this year and like if you have no visibility on musalaki like there's like it's like threading a needle to find the entrance way to get back to the carriage road trail like it's impossible and then going down whatever ravine lodge i don't know what that trail is called but like just finding your way gorge brook into the yeah gorge like it's just threading a needle if you have no visibility it's not easy so i can't imagine like messing around up there with no visibility unreal yeah so to, to summarize check the weather know the forecast and you know based upon the last reverse things can turn around that you don't expect so just be ready for the worst yeah, and I mean, we did those two episodes about winter hiking, and like, I never even considered the fact that, like, and again, I don't know how easy it is to train for this, but like, the ability for you as a new winter hiker to get your gear out of your backpack, get it on, get it comfortable, and be ready to go in time so that your hands don't get frozen. I never even considered that as sort of like something to think about. But like if you're new to winter hiking, like you got to think about like this strategy about where do you place your stuff in your backpack? It's a quick turnaround. Is your, is your stuff big enough to like get, get on quickly? Like it's, it's, you don't have a lot of time sometimes. 
Yeah, no question. Yeah. So anyway, it was, but good it was stuff. a good hike, and I think Caroline did great. And yeah, I'm proud congrats, of her. Caroline. That's awesome. Yep. Very cool. So next segment here is recent search and rescue news. So this is search, rescue, and drowning here, or, or people getting in trouble in the water. I know it's been it's been relatively uneventful throughout the region, including the eastern basin over uh, by Tux. There's been very little activity. Strange year so far. Yeah, yeah. Well, we got a couple of things that came through. That this one's not really hiking related, but it's a cautionary tale. And this happened, I guess, right around the new year. And I always think about this because we had a kid. Like my, it was a neighbor of mine growing up. I think it was his grandmother that had moved in next door to us, and he had been canoeing in Harold Parker and had drowned. Uh, Mm -hmm. around like late fall like this time of the year so i don't know what the deal is with this one but like there was a on january 3rd there was a massachusetts man that drowned after his canoe capsized on lake winnipesaukee on new year's day actually so it was like saturday at 11 o'clock at night and they were out group of people out on the canoes with no life jackets or anything like that and unfortunately the canoe had tipped over or somebody had fallen into the water and they didn't make it out and you know wolfboro police department and um a bunch of surrounding fire and um, state police had to respond to the scene and you know they were investigating it and they they conducted a search and i guess they had a two-person kayak and a canoe each of them had two people on on board and they were going to grant island and both vessels i guess capsized and the four people were all in the cold water they tried to swim to grant island using one of the capsized vessels as flotation and um i guess somebody else came and took a canoe and aided three of them and they got to this grant island until the first responders got there but unfortunately one of them was recovered in about 15 feet of water so again it's george our friend george talks about this too like how dangerous it is if you're clo- if you have your clothing on you fall in the water it's cold you go into shock and you're going to go under quick right so yeah absolutely anyway so sorry to hear that and um Hopefully that'll be the last drowning incident we'll we'll hear about. But there was another incident that came up on Lake Winnipesaukee, which was, I guess, prior to this event. This was right after Christmas. There was three people and a dog that fell through on thin ice. So I don't know what the deal is with ice fishing. I know that people are into it. I don't know what the rules are around like making sure that ice is safe or not. George did send a link to um, to me that Fishing Game puts out around ice safety. Um, that I'll include in the show notes, but uh, I think it's it's still like it's going to be a cold snap now. Maybe the ice will be good after the next few days, but I would just be careful getting out on ice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. They've got that uh, pond hockey classic coming up soon, don't they? Yeah, I don't know when on Winnipesaukee, Chaga, and Casey do that, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, that's always an interesting time. Yeah, looks like it'll be cold enough. Yeah, yeah, I think after after this this week it'll be it'll be solid, but yeah. I don't know. I just get nervous. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. All right. Um so let's save the Mount Pierce rescue to the end stomp. I got a couple sure. more here that are 
um, New Hampshire based, but not necessarily like Mountain. So this is an article that I got sent to me by a couple of people, and I saw it going around social media as well. Um, a heroic dog traversed the interstate to lead police to her injured owner. So a one-year-old um, Shiloh Shepherd. Do you know what that is? No, I don't. I don't it's like a German Shepherd, but hmm. um, name is Tinsley. Uh, so she's getting praise and extra treats after she saved her owner's <laughs> life by leading the New Hampshire police to the site of a vehicle rollover. Yeah. So this is kind of cool. So I guess state police uh, responded to a report of a loose dog on Interstate 89 in Lebanon. And it's near the border of Vermont, so around 10 o'clock at night. And they tried to approach her, and she was like, I'm not having it. Ran north on the highway into Vermont, and then a short time later... Um, responders were kind of chasing it down. They found a damaged section of a guardrail at the at the junction, and then they saw a badly damaged pickup truck that had rolled over, and they realized that two people had been ejected from it. So they were both suffering hypothermia wow. and serious injuries. Um, and while they were at the scene, the officers learned that Tinsley, who did not appear to be hurt in the crash, belonged to one of the vehicle's occupants. So it became apparent that Tinsley was like, hey, dudes, uh, there's a crash going on over here. So this has been making the rounds on social media and um, the state police, I guess they said it wasn't clear how the two men had been outside the vehicle. Um, adding that the dog had also been out for a little bit since her fur was wet. But uh, it was like a real life Lassie situation, according to the police officer on board It's or that was involved. It's really remarkable. The dog saved their lives, and I don't think they would have survived the night given the temperatures. So give that huh. dog uh, some treats and a nice warm blanket to, to sleep in. I got to tell you, when you said treaty, I turned around because we give Daphne and uh, Luna Uh-oh. treaties. And I turn around and she's sound asleep on the couch behind me. Oh, so really? I sent a text to my wife, like, you got to come down and see Daphne sleeping. <laughs> and, uh, of course, she woke up just as she opened the door. She like, oh, too funny. She's a sweetie. She loves it down here in the uh, Woodpecker studio. We love your cats. So, Oh, dude, you going to get a dog this year or what? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, keep, I keep arguing with my wife about it. And, like, it's like one of these things where it's like. So I want to get a dog, but my wife is like, I'm not having anything to do with the dog. You have to do 100% of the work. And I'm like, I want you to want me to have a dog because it's going to make me happy. There you go. And she's like, I don't want a dog and I don't want you to be happy. So screw you. <laughs> That's so, great. Yeah. So, oh But I've never God. heard of a Shiloh Shepherd. But this thing, I mean, huh. this thing is basically a German Shepherd. I don't know what this Shiloh Shepherd stuff is, but... Um, it's a good-looking dog. So, Tinsley, you are our hero of the week. Awesome. That's great. So, okay. And then uh, one <laughs> – remember River Dave? Stomp. Oh, of course. Uh, What's so going on River, there? He just can't stop getting in trouble. Didn't he get, like, set up with a new house or, like, an, an amount yeah. of money to – yeah, he had that like software billionaire dude. So hey, if that by the way, <laughs> Mr. Software Billionaire guy, if you, you're into like listening to our podcast, like Stomp needs a loan. River Dave's done. Forget River <laughs> yeah. Dave. Stomp and Mike want to come work for you. All right. We'll do whatever this cabin is that you're buying this guy, we'll take care of it. But anyway, 
River Dave <laughs> got set up with $180,000 from this billionaire dude to build a cabin on a new location. River Dave was basically like, no, I'm not having that. Went back to the old location. I don't know if there was a shed or something still there. So he's like living back there. He got arrested for trespassing again. So this guy just oh would not let go of that property. That's really interesting, huh? Yeah. yeah. I don't know what to think about it, but he just... He keeps getting in trouble. So he has he has cash. I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. So the 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 CEO of the software company um, gave him one hundred eighty thousand dollars in August to rebuild a cabin in a new location. Huh. Um, yeah. And I guess the guy wrote a personal check to this dude, and the, the guy was like, "Yeah, it's not not good enough. I want to." live in this property and the guy the other guy is another old dude that's like 86 years old right and he doesn't want him there so yeah yeah two stubborn old timers i think so stomp yeah we talked about this at length like the whole eminent domain and all that business it's crazy not Mm -hmm. eminent domain but uh, adverse possession yeah like he sounds like an adverse possessor yeah but yeah I don't know. It's fascinating. Maybe we can use this cash to get a decent attorney. <laughs> I don't know. But the River Dave and this guy that owns the property should go hunting together and they can like accidentally shoot each other like those other two old dudes. <laughs> right. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, God. Um, all right. So the last one here is a rescue on the Crawford Path. So. Saving the best for last. Yeah. December 27th. Yes. Yeah. You want to go over this one? Well, yeah, you you can cover it if you want. I'll add in some interesting tidbits. Okay. All right. So Monday, December 27th. So last search and rescue of the year. Uh, Fishing game. Got a call and they activated uh, search and rescue volunteers from Androscoggin Valley Search and Rescue and Pemi Valley Search and Rescue, along with personnel from Twin Mountain Fire Department. And they all responded to an injured hiker um, call on the Crawford Path. So I don't know how far up you was. You Oh, actually, it says it right here. So the yeah, hiker, 1.2. yep, 41-year-old gentleman from Buffalo, New York, suffered a lower leg injury. So pretty standard stuff. Little early in the day, so twelve o'clock. So he was—he must have started early, and he was on his way back down the trail after summoning Mount Pierce. He was one point two miles from Crawford Path, so not too bad. <clears throat> it's pretty, you know, pretty pretty close to the parking lot when he had the injury. It's a Monday, but he could, though. Yeah, it's a Monday. So in terms walk. of like saw response, that can be a little tricky because yeah, people are working. Think about that, yeah. Although it's like it's Christmas week, though. You got to figure people are on vacation, right? True. True. Yeah. yeah maybe some. Yeah, yeah, but I guess he wasn't able to walk or bear any weight on this thing. So a 911 call was made by another hiker who came upon him and was rendering assistance. Um, so the hiker said that the microspikes he was wearing for traction caught on the trail, which caused him to fall and land awkwardly. Um, they said that this dude was well prepared for a winter hike, had adequate clothing and gear. And then so the call came in at noon. First responders arrived at 2.30 and provided medical assistance and treatment. Um, They started carrying him down around 3.20. So that's another thing you think about is like even when the responders get there, like you're not moving for another hour or so. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the rescue crew arrived back at the trailhead by 4.30. So this guy was basically like four and a half hours. It took him to get down for a mile, 1.2 miles. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you you were on this this one? I, yeah, I was. Yeah, I made it to this one. Um, I left work like 
ASAP when uh, the call came in because winter stuff always just, it's a heightened, heightened sense of urgency. So I zipped right over and, um, you know, we had a good turnout. There had to be about 16 people responding from all teams. Pemi had a good turnout. Avsar showed up and it was great working with uh, the legendary Mike Pelchat. He showed up as well. Um, Avsar sort of took control of the packaging and the prep for the patient, which is great to watch. Um, they're such a skilled group of people. It was an interesting time because it's, you know, it's almost like a shoulder season in a sense because you have a couple inches of snow on the ground. It's, it was just enough snow cover to hide the divots between the rocks. So basically, I think that's what happened to him. He probably just hit a divot and uh, hurt his leg. But when we had to carry him down, I mean, it was like stepping into pits that you just had no idea they were there or not. They utilized a litter that had uh, two arms in front like a carriage. So somebody was in front lifting the individual's body up as they dragged and then there were several people in the back with straps uh more or less breaking you know just slowing down the progress if uh, we came upon any steep sections or challenging drops so it was it was a good mission in that sense but um challenging due to the terrain it's just it's such a weird time of the season yeah it's just not narrow too i mean as much as super path, narrow. It's a lot of like traffic it's just a narrow area yeah and it, it made us sort of reassess how we handle people. Um, think, think of it this way. During, during the warmer months, you're carrying somebody up off of the ground by about three or four feet. So what happens when this person's on the ground? Can you tell me? I mean, what comes to mind? You have a bunch of people with crampons on. So what, what are the odds of somebody tripping or somebody you know stumbling and sticking one of those crampons right into the head of the victim yeah, yeah so that's it's true. yeah so you know you have to think of those things so you know it's prompted some good discussion about how to really protect the patients in these situations i have a question for you about this one uh sure. i'm always curious i was thinking about this so on the crawford path there is right before you get to the end of it there's that really narrow wooden bridge that goes over the old so there's a like a yep. little waterfall there like how, how hard is it to get the person across that because you just have no room to go side by side on that it can be really difficult um in this case we skipped it and we went straight down to the highway like in previous rescues, we would go across that bridge and out to the lot. But in this case, we actually went straight out the Crawford Path, which dumps out to the highway. I had no idea that even existed. Really? Okay. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So, yeah. yeah, we bypassed the bridge. Like last season, there was one rescue where we had to drag somebody over that bridge. And it was a nightmare because you have you have them in a litter. It absolutely doesn't fit. Yeah. It's a good question. Um, but in this case, it didn't even apply. So Interesting. Well, one, th one other thing about this, and then I do want to call out something that I thought was kind of funny that you told me. But the, um, the victim in this case did get on social media and just gave a big shout out to the, the search and rescue team, which I thought was pretty nice. He was basically like, That's cool. You know, thanks for everybody. And that, you know, he, 
he really appreciated that they were there for him. I guess it was just one of these like shit happens moments where you, you know, your lower leg injury in the winter is just pretty typical stuff. So um, good for him for giving the shout out and glad that he was well prepared and, you know, it's a good way to, I guess, had to end the year with a rescue. This was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. It got us all primed up and ready for what's to come. Yeah, yeah. So you told me Stomp's probably going to be embarrassed, but he told me this little story that he was <laughs> he was ID'd. So Stomp, we, we when we first started the show, we didn't we wanted to like kind of keep his identity a little bit of a secret, but unfortunately, the uh, the Daphne is out of the bag or the cat is out of the bag. So somebody <laughs> spotted you. Did, did did they call you? They called you out. Well, when I first pulled in, I mean my my truck is pretty descript. I mean it's got a plate and that's you can't miss it. Um, but when I pulled into the Clinton Road lot there to go up Crawford Path, um, this car was getting ready to pull out. And so I just pulled over to the side and waited. <clears throat> and these two people <laughs> that were just taking off all their gear at one point came over to me. I, I, you know, I stepped out of my truck to talk to one of the fishing game officers and um they came over and said, "Are you Stomp?" <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I know. Oh, don't so, if anybody's listening, don't ever do that again. Oh, we do God. not need this guy's ego to get big. <laughs> well, you know, it's sort of funny, and you know, you're so focused on, you know, your your head is already up trail with your pack on and what you're going to do with this patient and everything else and uh managing everything else so when when that hit me it was just like a tyson left hook like just took me out of the mode like boom like like, what what did you what did you just say yeah it was really funny but um you know really sweet people and they actually donated to um the the podcast for uh our expenses and things like that and i actually think it prompted me to go on a sort of a, a tear about like um where the donations are going and stuff like that, because Mike and I do not receive profit from this podcast. I mean, we put it towards the gear and we donate it and everything else. So it's just like that. It's, it's, it is sensitive for me. It's like search and rescue has to be separate from what I'm doing here on this podcast. And I've tried very hard to do that and don't want to give any false uh, ideas that we're like profiting off of the suffering of other people. So um, but you know, the recognition was funny, but just keep it in perspective. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely not making any money on this thing, but it's fun and it's educational. And, um, well, yeah, that, that's the biggest thing it's, it is educational. And I think, you know, I was reluctant to do this initially. And I, you know, I think it's at the point where the benefit of it, I think is starting to show fruit, which is f- fantastic. It is educational. And I think people are listening and, just the feedback we're getting is uh, a definite positive thing. Yeah, yeah. And I <clears throat> I was hesitant about it too. And I think, you know, there's been some people I know that are acquaintances that are sort of like they've taken issue with some of the people that we've had on. They've taken issue with, um, you know, us giving information out about hikes. Like they don't want to have information out there about certain areas. And I get it. Like, Oh, yeah. you, know, you you don't want to be sending people out in dangerous situations, but at the end of the day, the goal is is to educate. If people are motivated and they want to get out there and do things, that they're going to do the research to make it happen. That's how we learned. They're going to build their own network. We're just sort of highlighting. You know, maybe if we can save people a little bit of a headache, 
give you an idea on you know how you can um, do this safely. That's 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 the goal here. But it's it is funny that you got recognized. I, I got to laugh. Yeah, absolutely. And Jackie and Bruce, I'm not targeting you by any means, but I just want people to know that it's it is what it is with the whole podcast thing. But I appreciate your discreetness and stuff like that with with your post and this and that. And uh, Mike and I are just two guys trying to help out the community and uh, pass along some good info. So awesome. Good stuff. All right. So we are. Uh, so this is a wrap on episode 41. So we're going to get into. Um, 2022. I owe you. I owe the audience and you stomp some details on like um, some gear. So I got to still get the t-shirt stuff going. We've got a good list of um, guests that we're going to be uh, scheduling in the next few weeks. So we've got somebody that's going to be giving us some details on military search and rescue. We've got a social media influencer that's an AT hiker that we're going to have on, and we've got some other stuff going on. So it should be fun. Awesome. Yeah. And we got to get that buddy hike going. <laughs> yeah, we got to get that cracking too. I keep saying that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. So we'll, we'll get something scheduled. Cool, man. This has been great. Back in the saddle. Back in the saddle. So we will uh, we'll see you on the other side. Later. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you want to learn more about the topics covered on today's show, please check out the show notes and safety information on slasserpodcast.com. That's S-L-A-S-R podcast.com. You can also follow the show on Facebook and Instagram. We hope you'll join us next week for another great show. Until next time, on behalf of Mike and Stomp, get out there and crush some peaks. Now covered in scratches, blisters, and bug bites, Chris Staff wanted to complete his most challenging day hike ever. Fish and game officers say the hiker from Florida activated an emergency beacon yesterday morning. He was hiking along the Appalachian Trail when the weather started to get worse. Officials say the snow was piled up to three feet in some spots and there was a wind chill of minus one degree. And there's three words to describe this race. Do we all know what they are? Lieutenant James Neeland, New Hampshire Fish and Game. Lieutenant, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me. What are some of the most common mistakes you see people make when they're heading out on the trails to hike here in New Hampshire? Seems to me the most common is being unprepared, and I think if they just simply visited uh, hikesafe.com and got a list of the 10 essential items and had those in their packs, they probably would have no need to ever call us at all.